So I was the biggest fan of Dave's as a viewer. It was a quirky environment at the Letterman show and I'm in the control room watching the show and Letterman comes back from a commercial break and how we'd always banter with Paul Schaefer. He comes back and says, Paul, he said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty upset today. Well, what are you upset about, Dave? He says, you know, people in the company don't really talk to me. Well, who? So anyway, he proceeded to browbeat me on the air that I was <laughs> avoiding him sulking around the hallways. Welcome to Brand With On Demand, your guide to rebooting radio. I called Dave's office. Jeff, Dave's too busy to talk to you right now. Okay, that's cool. So the second night, he comes back and said, Paul, I made a big mistake. Yeah, what's that? Well, last night I talked about the NBC late night programming. He called me the programming boy. Uh, You know, was avoiding (laughs) me. He said, I made a mistake. He said, you know what he's doing now? What's that, Dave? He's stalking me. Brandwith On Demand, rebooting radio with a different take on all radio can be. Now your guides through the media morphosis, David Martin, and author of the book Brandwith, media branding coach, Kipper McGee. As a recovering radio person, today's guest has extensive media experience. He's a consultant and advisor to on-air, print, and online media companies. He specializes in creativity and innovation in digital product development, programming, marketing. He's on stints with BH1 and NBC TV. Jeff Rowe has worked online firms, including AOL, where he was executive producer and helped create TMZ.com. He was also involved in several HDTV projects. He's worked with NPR and member stations on creating best practices for programming, on-air promotion, and the local presentation of Morning Edition and All Things Considered, plus newscast. And now, after founding various internet startups, he's focused on Hollywood, producing Rock Camp the Movie. Today, he tells us about life after radio, the on-air performer formerly known as Dallas Cole. <laughs> Brand with On Demand is proud to welcome the one and only Jeff Rowe. Hey, Jeff. Hey, David. Thank you so much, Kipper. Uh, thank you for inviting me on. Hey, we are so thrilled to have you. So, from way back at the Billboard Small Market Station of the Year in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, to programming radio in markets like Rockford, Illinois, Chicago, D.C., and then back to Milwaukee as a GM, your radio chops are well established. So, from your vantage today, what traits or attributes do you think you'd be recommending for aspiring air talent or programmers? the brand managers that maybe weren't even a factor back when you were doing radio? Well, I think today's technology is, it empowers anyone almost anywhere more than we had it back, be it the 70s, the 80s, or even the 90s. You know, the tools started coming to play in the 90s. But what I'm talking about, if you think about YouTube influencers or podcasters, you basically just need the wherewithal and you can record audio on a phone and upload it and get it anywhere. So I think the tools are better today. I think there's more opportunity. Uh, I think clearly the traditional in a box, you know, a little square uh, on a uh, org chart at a radio station on some level is the same, but I think try to find your passion, whatever that is. And that actually has nothing to do with radio, although obviously we're, we're talking about radio and media. But I think if you can figure out what you're passionate about and then how do I get from here to there, again, the tools and the technology today are so powerful. I think it just opens more doors for more people. 
Mm-hmm. Jeff, after radio, you had stents in both cable TV at VH1, where you did a lot of pioneering work there, and NBC television. Thinking back, what similarities do you see between radio and TV or video? And looking forward, how do you see the addition of video impacting radio brands and talent? I think, Dave, if you're oversimplifying it, you know, if you think back, this is maybe a little bit of a random out there thought, but if you think back, you know, in the old days of the the caveman era, you know, the art of storytelling, people would gather around the campfires, fast forward as times have gone on, people, you know, be it in writing or eventually radio or TV or film, it's really about telling stories. And Stories are involved in music, radio, songs. Mm -hmm. I think the similarities of radio and TV, obviously video and TV are different, but it's really about who is the audience? How do you want to try to connect with them? So I think the biggest similarity is really about connecting to audience. In today, uh, 2021, we live in a a time where arguably spoken word talk, be it talk radio, uh, and the opportunity to connect to audiences through podcasting, satellite, traditional radio are as big as ever. So I'm, I'm kind of giving you a non-specific answer, Dave, but I think it's really being aspirational. And again, figuring out where you want to go and then how do you get there? How do you find mentors, You know, seeking out people that can potentially help you? And then the final thing I'll say is I think like for me, something that has really helped me in my career is I would focus on products or things that I liked that people produced, be it a TV show, be it a film, something as simple as, you know, hey, I like Apple products. I like Samsung products. And I spent, uh, especially early in my career, but it's even true today, that if I liked things that a producer, a creator did, I would try to figure out how do I connect to them? How do I seek them out? I mean, I was lucky enough to work at NBC. I was lucky enough to work at Viacom VH1, but I sought those companies out. I loved what NBC did as a kid growing up in the Twin Cities. I always wanted to work at programming. And as we know, they're not going to come to you. You got to go get it. So I think figuring out where you want to go and then, you know, are there paths in there to organizations? So what was it like being Letterman's boss? (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't think anyone was Dave's boss, but uh, I'll try to do it in 60 seconds. So I was the biggest fan of Dave's as a viewer. So fast forward, I'm at NBC, and it was a quirky environment at NBC, yeah. uh, or excuse me, uh, the Letterman show. And and basically, the, the rules of the road were as if Dave was in a good mood, it was all good. If Dave was in a bad mood, uh, the writers and producers intended to uh, hunker down and stay in their offices. So I had been at NBC about 90 days, and I was told by the executive producer at the time, a guy named Robert Morton, you know, I would say, hey, Morty, I want to meet Dave. Well, what do you want to meet with him about? Well, you know, it's a late night guy. I want to say hi. Well, he's not, today's not the day. So that went on for, as I said, a good period of time, several months in. So I'm, uh, Letterman recorded the show between 5.30 and 6.30 Eastern time in New York. And so it's about halfway through the show. I'm in the control room watching the show and Letterman comes back from a commercial break and how we'd always banter with Paul Schaefer. He comes back and says, Paul, he said, you know, I'm I'm pretty upset today. Well, what are you upset about, Dave? He says, you know, people in the company don't really talk to me. Well, who? He mentioned an intern. He said, well, you know, the interns are afraid of you, Dave. No, well, that's not what I'm upset about. I'm upset about a new executive here. Who's that? Well, he's the new late night guy. 
So anyway, he proceeded to browbeat me on the air that I was <laughs> avoiding him, skulking around the hallways. So every head in the control room, Jude Brennan, the director named Hal Gurney, all like turned and looked at me like, okay, dude, what are you going to do about this? So after the show, I thought, you know, the heck with Morty, I'm just going to go right to Dave. So I called Dave's office, his assistant was laughing and said, and I said, is Dave there? I said, he was right that, you know, want to say hi. So I'm on hold a good two to three minutes. Finally, she comes back and she's very nervous. <laughs> and she said, you know, Jeff, Dave's too busy to talk to you right now. I said, okay, that's cool. So you hang up the next morning, first thing, 10 a.m. I'm up, you know, trying to let him in offices. I try to see Dave. Ah, he can't, he, doors closed, couldn't see me. So that night, the second night, he comes back and said, Paul, I made a big mistake. Yeah, what, what's that? Well, last night I talked about the NBC late night programming. He called me the programming boy, uh, you know, was avoiding <laughs> me. He said, I made a mistake. He said, "What? you know what he's doing now? What's that, Dave? He's stalking me. He followed <laughs> me to my car. He was waiting for me in the office. So anyway, so it was, uh, no, no, Dave marched to the beat of his own drum. I eventually did connect with him and he was cool, but. Uh, so what led you to Hollywood and making movies? Well, Hollywood is a, obviously it's a, it's an area and it's, it's, it's kind of a persona or a, an aspirational goal, but I've lived in Los Angeles now since 1990 and I've never really, well, I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of things. I'd never really had an opportunity to do anything in the film industry. and. There is a longtime friend, professional friend, business associate who I'd known, a guy named David Fishoff, who has a real business called Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And I'd been helping David with his business for a number of years. And I had mentioned, you know, what about doing a documentary? And he said, yes. And, you know, I did it. And so like so many things that we start that's new, you know, if you don't know anything, you, you do research. And so David Fishoff and I did a bunch of research of how do you make a documentary film? You know, what are the kind of the best practices? And, and so we did that. And the one thing that we learned is filmmaking, unlike radio, which is immediate, TV can be immediate, although not always. But the filmmaking process in general is slow. And when you factor in documentary, I, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure why, but it, it, it took us six years to make this thing. And, I think the primary, a primary reason, maybe not the, but a primary reason is if you have a morning show tomorrow that starts at 6 a.m. or an afternoon show that starts at 4 or a station event in a month, there's specific timelines attached to that. The same thing with the show being on Thursday night. You got to deliver the show for May 15th or whatever date. Filmmaking is different. And so at least that was one of the biggest challenges. So I think it was something I'd always been interested in, Kipper, but I really had not had the opportunity and then ended up figuring it out. Well, Jeff, what did you learn from the experience? Well, I think that arguably one of the biggest things that I learned, Dave, is something that I think we all know, but some, some of us come to it at different points in our life, which is the following. For me, when I started professionally, the most important thing to me, I was always about the creative and ideas. And I realized um, 10, 15 years into my career that while that's important, the thing that's actually more important is the execution. And if you think about the most successful people, insert category, could be a tech leader like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or Elon Musk today or, or Jeff Bezos, or could be an athlete, LeBron James or Tom Brady or uh, Aaron Rodgers. It's all about the execution. How do they perform? And mm -hmm. so 
I think to your question, Dave, the thing that I have learned both specifically about filmmaking, but it's true about radio, it's true about TV, is focusing on the deliverables, focusing on doing the best job that I can, which is a cliche and it's obvious, but I spent a good chunk of my early career, and I was always a finisher, but I didn't put the rigor around it maybe as much as I could have or should mm-hmm. have. And had I, I done that, you know, a lot of times people get caught up in the politics or what the other person's thinking. And in reality, if you keep your eye on the ball and focus on what you're tasked to do, like for me, that has been oversimplifying. I think one of the biggest things that has helped me advance professionally and personally. No, it's great. Execution's the whole ball game. It's the whole ball game. And you know, I first realized that, Dave, if you think about a couple of companies that all of us use daily, or at least one of them, you know, most of us use Google, right? And but mm-hmm. the idea that you can search almost anything and find information, that's a pretty remarkable thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the iPhone launched, and you all may remember is that, you know, there, there was a lot of problems with the, the network, the AT&T network, but it was execution. They worked through that after several weeks, but it's the execution. And, and then the final one is if you think about Amazon, the fact that you can sit in your pajamas at 11 o'clock at night, order something, and it's on your doorstep the next afternoon, that's all about execution. So. Mm-hmm. So looking forward, I mean, you've really demonstrated how there can be really a good, solid professional life beyond radio. So what suggestions would you offer to a radio person who's looking either to stay relevant in tomorrow's radio or create a side hustle that uses their media chops or really just transferring skills to other lanes like you have? Yeah. You know, as I, as I share with anyone, you know, my, my longtime friends and people that I collaborate with, obviously there's no fountain of youth, but I think if you're curious, to me, if you're curious and part of curiosity is learning new things, to me, it's the fountain of youth. It's the thing. And so trying new things, learning new things, being willing to fail for every one thing I've done. And, and I'm sure both of you have this, but we all know people that have been really successful. There's a ton of failure. Along the way, you you come up short. And what was the Angela Duckworth book uh, out a few years ago about all the qualities that go into success? Talent is it timing? Her her assessment was it's it's grit. It's not you know we know what will happen if we stop. Nothing. So you got to keep going. So I think again these are obvious life cliches, but they're all true. From learning new things, leaning into change, embracing new things. I think another thing I touched on briefly, but I think seeking out mentors, seeking out people that you can learn from. And I personally have found. Again, it's a little bit counterintuitive that as you go for the top, you know, a lot of mid-level and low-level people in companies have the power to say no, but they don't have the power to say yes. I always just go right to the top. I've, I've, I've done this through my whole career now. I may not get to them, but guess what? I, I've got to a lot of big, big mockers and big people. So I think kind of tying it up in two or three things, find out what you're passionate about, and that's an ongoing thing. Uh, figuring that out and then seeking how do I get in? Who do I connect to? As part of that is, is if there are products or shows or producers or companies that you like what they produce, how do you get in there? Do you know other people that are affiliated with them that are, that have had jobs there, that have relationships there? Those are all things. 
again, knocking on doors, seeking out mentors. You know, sometimes you may be lucky enough that they find you, but oftentimes you go find them. So I think, again, there's no one way. And again, just not stopping. It's just, it is so easy today with just all of the challenges that we're all dealing with of mental health and COVID and just all of the challenges. It's easy to throw your hands up and say, why bother? But you got to bother. But yeah, no, I've always been a glass, very half full guy and being been very fortunate to meet some incredible people and just trying my hardest to leave it all on the field. And as we said at the top, having fun along the way, I love what I do. I'm more passionate or as passionate today as when I got into the business at 18. The always amazing and curious Jeff Rowe, somebody you'd like to hear from? Well, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, show at brandwithondemand.com. And if you haven't, you might want to catch up on our previous episodes where you'll find talent like Carson and Kennedy, Paul Castronova, Dana Cortez, along with top brand managers and media thought leaders, including Fred Jacobs, John Paracall, and Steve Goldstein, all available wherever you downloaded this episode. And be sure to scroll down. You can see some cool things in the show notes, including Jeff's complete bio and a link to Rock Camp the Movie. Coming up, Jeff Rose shares some opportunities that he finds hiding in plain sight. Artists love to give back. They realize their success is based on the fan. And that's how I came up with the idea of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. It's very easy to forget where you find Once Roger started doing it, it opened up the door. Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp became part of pop culture. Just like that. Welcome to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Okay, this person can play, this person can kind of play. You would have a 15-year-old kid playing drums and a dentist on guitar. If this band were a real band, it would be the weirdest band ever, but cool. One guitar player was shredding like a mother, and I'm thinking, what are you? He goes, I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm going, wow. I want every rock star to do what inspires them. I had to experience it. If Bob Dylan and Gene Simmons and Jimi Hendrix auditioned for The Voice, do you think we'd make it? Oh, it's fine. Time. It's fine. You think we'd make it? Hey, babe, I'm in the middle of a vocal thing. Ready? I'll call you back, okay? <laughs> Looking forward to another good bashing of rock camp. I've reconnected with my joy of playing. Singing for the first time on stage. It's a very special thing. That moment. For me and for him, it's real. I can't think of a more fun thing to do. I mean, it's better than stamp collecting. Wow. Just a sample of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, the movie, produced by the radio guy formerly known as Dallas Cole, now producing movies in Hollywood, among other things, Jeff Rowe. And he'll be back next. Hi, I'm Jeff McCarthy, Vice President of Programming for Duke Wright's Midwest Communications. I'm Tony Larino from Throwback Nation Radio. Hi, this is Dave Tyler from Music Master with even more raving fans. Hey, I'm Bailey, Program Director for KOSP and Midwest Family Broadcasting in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, my name is Jonathan Schaefer. I'm the Program Director at The Legend, 650 AM WSM. Ready to join these raving fans? I'm so thankful for Music Master and the team for helping us grow our station into what it is today. Never stop learning. Music Master's educational webinars have helped us to become excellent music schedulers. Visit MusicMaster.com today. I cannot thank the Music Master team enough. 
opportunities hidden in plain sight. Plain sight. Bread with on demand. We are with Jeff Bro. Jeff, thinking about the future and even the survival of traditional broadcast radio, what's the one opportunity that you see that may be hiding in plain sight? Well, I don't know if it's hiding in plain sight, but I think arguably it's the golden era, not my words, but you know, we've all seen it out there of spoken word or just kind of talk. And I think that if you, I mean, I know a number of people that have talked about doing podcasts for at least 10 years. And guess what? They're still not doing a podcast. So I think podcasting is not new. I think it's not necessarily hiding in plain sight. The plain sight is probably blinding a lot of people. I think that is to me one of the biggest opportunities, just that the whole ability to connect through talk, spoken word, you know, distribution that is not traditional terrestrial, you know, be it online or digital. Um, so I, I think anything related to digital, but again, that's, it's not necessarily hiding. We're all trying to figure out our way over the, over the fence or our path in, but yeah. You've dealt with best practices, especially for your NPR clients on the station level. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend that say a host would do that may or may not be part of the station brand or certainly reflect the essence of the station brand? That's a fantastic question, Kip, and I think is, to me, one of the biggest things I'm focusing on, which is the following. So know your audience and say, well, we all know that you've got the imaginary 42-year-old suburban housewife or young couple that, that is the target audience. Here's the reality. And this to me is pretty interesting. So the work I'm doing with NPR stations, if you take a take a look at the audience size, Within a quarter hour, you've got a thousand on a, a smaller market to 20, 30,000 in a bigger market. And here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. So if the three of us on this podcast were addressing 30 people, 50 people, let alone hundreds or thousands, guess what? We'd bring our A game. We'd be really prepared. So what I'm getting at is I think if you're a host, you, you want to really know who your audience is there. And there are a lot of people out there. And would you do the happy talk, the unprepared talk? Probably not. You probably would bring your A game, especially if you knew that at any given time, you may have a local influencer, business leaders, politicians, whoever it is listening. So I think it's basically programming those local breaks. And the local breaks could be a short music break, you know, a break on a music station. It could be a longer break on a talk station. But it's bringing your A-game to every single time that you talk, which is a lot easier said than done. Our thanks to Jeff Rowe. He is terrific, isn't he, Kepper? You'll find out more about his pictures, Rock Camp the Movie, and his other projects are all in the show notes. Just scroll down on your phone. As always, thanks to exec producer Cindy Huber. And coming up... I'm Steve Goldstein of Amplify Media. And coming up, we're going to talk about local radio, and the local podcast opportunity. That's a wrap, Kipper. Do you believe in magic? Well, we do, and we'll talk about it. In the show notes, you'll find the link to One Minute Martinizing. I'm Dave Martin. And I'm Kipper McGee. May all your brand with be wide.